2: Hey, everybody, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer here. Another Baseball America podcast. We are in the middle of spring trading now, which we're in the middle of, of baseball's really back kind of all around. We've got high school games going on, we've got college. And we have a whole lot of spring training that's already happened, but still a good bit of spring training to go before opening day. But the key thing is, and one of the things we wanna talk to you about today is we have enough spring training in the books now to start to feel comfortable. Yes, we are talking about small sample sizes still, but we are far enough in to where you can comfortably start to get some opinions about how players look. The good, the bad, and a lot of in between. And Kyle for us has been doing that. Kyle has been talking to a whole lot of scouts who are, you know, at spring training games, thankfully. And I do mean absolutely. Thankfully we are back to a point where you can have scouts at games, which was not true for a lot of last year, but so they're at games pro games. And, Kyle's talked to a lot of them. And so we have a piece up at Baseball America. Check it out. 25 uh, spring training standouts. 25 players turning heads at spring training. I want to get the right headline. Turning heads at spring training. Some prospects, some actual, you know, regular major, you know, veteran major leaguers. But Kyle... I'm just going to put it on a T for you. I'm going to throw it like that, that pitcher in the ninth inning who wants to get spring training over with, and the umpires have already wandered off because it's that game from earlier this week where the umpires are like, no, we're not playing a bottom of the ninth. We see you. So I'm putting it on a T for you. Who is a player that when you made calls is someone who surprised you that kept coming up or kept, came up really well?
1: Yeah, the biggest surprise, and this was someone who came up multiple times from multiple scouts, all saying some version of the same thing, was Jonathan India with the Reds. And the reason I say that is pretty much from the moment Jonathan India was drafted and went out and made his pro debut, the poor reviews from scouts have been consistent 2018, 2019, whether it was during the regular season, the fall league, anywhere that scouts saw Jonathan India... It was just all bad. And he's come out this spring and changed everything. It's been a complete 180. I mean, the typical report on Jonathan India for the last couple of years was there's no impact in the bat, just okay, not great anywhere defensively. The secondary tools aren't great and doesn't play hard. And everything has completely turned around this spring. He's making a lot of hard contact People are really, really liking what they're seeing on the field in terms of his focus, in terms of his effort level, all, all the little things that make a difference. He's having really good at bats. He's moving around the field and playing well. So I think that's just the biggest surprise just because it really is a total 180. And as you mentioned, these were calls held over multiple days, a lot of different scouts. I spent more time on the phone the last couple of days and was probably healthy. And he just kept coming up. It wasn't like a one-time thing. It was... Scout one, scout two, scout three, anyone and everyone who had Reds coverage, he was the first guy they brought up. And give the kid credit. Again, there's a long way to go. It's two weeks of spring training, but just given the types of things that we were hearing from anyone who wasn't employed by the Reds about Jonathan India for the past two years to what we're hearing now, it's pretty remarkable. So I think of in terms of surprises, that was probably the biggest one to me.
2: The thing I will say is, is everything you're saying is what I was getting, and again, alt site is tricky because you are getting a lot of that from people who are understandably with the team because scouts weren't allowed at that. But people, you know, the the what I was hearing about Jonathan India at alt site last year was that Jonathan India was the best player at Red's alt site, and one of the key things which seems like it's carried over to this year is he's showing that kind of that oppo power alley power and all that is kind of, I, I think a really a key to his game is this is kind of when you, you know, when you saw him, the, the reason that he had that breakthrough draft year, you know, going, going back to when he was at Florida, back to 18 was, I don't, it's, it's kind of, it's not even necessarily has to be an all field approach, but it's the ability to do impact, to do damage at more than just okay, if I get a you know a pitch on the inner third and yank it, I'm going to be able to do something with it. It's that that power, you know, kind of the center a lot of times even, and you put that together with you know I, you watch it now. All right, <laughs> this is a, a little tangent of this, but I, I'll, I'll try not to put you too much on the spot here. But we had Eugenio Suarez play shortstop yesterday, as we record this on Tuesday when you know we're recording this on Wednesday, and I don't know another way to interpret this other than they're looking at ways, okay, if Suarez is going to play shortstop for the Reds in 2021, that would be a shocking development, I think we have to say. I think the last time he played it regularly was 2014, which was many years ago and really a different kind of Eugenio Suarez. But the reason that they would even look at that to me is partly – Okay, well, we got to figure out a way to get Jonathan India in the lineup, and if you got Mike Mustakis and and Eugenio Suarez already on the roster, they're kind of blocking the two spots, the second base and third base, where he most logically will play. I, I, I the mind boggles, but the, you know, is there a possibility we could see Jonathan India second baseman if that means Eugenio Suarez shortstop?
1: There's no question the Reds' lack of a shortstop is glaring. That was also something that came up a lot in these scout calls when I would ask about Reds' camp and what's going on, and it was Jonathan India looks great. Nick Senzel's hitting well. Scouts still don't love him in center field, but they acknowledge he's getting better. And after that, uh, the exact words one scout used were, the Reds are a hot mess. Just There's a lot of pitching injuries. Uh, Joey Votto obviously is out after testing positive for COVID-19 and they do not have a shortstop. So when you say
2: like (laughs) right now, the the part where I think that Eugenio Suarez on days where you have a pitcher on the mound where you don't think there's going to be a ton of balls to shortstop is a possibility is the competitors. It seems like Jose Garcia, they realize he needs time in the minors, which means the competitors for this job are Kyle Holder who can field, but can't hit Or Kyle Farmer, who has spent the majority of his career predominantly as a catcher, but has refashioned himself, you know, pro career, I should say. He played some short in college at at Georgia, but has refashioned himself as a utility infielder.
1: Again, this is something that the Reds are going to have to figure out. There is not a true everyday major league shortstop anywhere on their roster. That's not a secret. and we we'll see what they're able to do, but but just in terms of highlighting individual players, yeah, Jonathan India, again, he's performed well. Scouts like what they're seeing, and there's a lot of guys in spring training who put up numbers and start making calls around, checking in, hey, what are you seeing? What do you think? And there are evaluators who will tell you, yeah, I mean, he's putting numbers, but it's not real. Here's why, and mm-hmm. don't expect this to carry over. And there are some guys who I made those calls and asked about specifically, and that was the response. But. There is was a lot of sense that Jonathan India, what he's doing is real. And he's one of the guys, again, uh, going back and looking through my notes, body's in better shape. The effort levels there, the focus, it's the intangibles, it's the physical skills. And you mentioned him hitting the ball hard. He had a, a long home run, drove it out to right field. They got out in a hurry off a pretty good fastball. So... Yeah, it's all good there. And he's playing his way into a potential spot, whether that's opening day or later in the season and give the kid credit again. I think anytime you see someone turn something around and really take their careers and own them and work to improve themselves, you just tip your cap. We all want to see guys succeed and just give him credit for putting in the work. And by all accounts, he's turned a corner, at least based on what he's shown in spring training. There's always the caveat that sometimes it doesn't mean anything, but Just speaking to evaluators who are out there, who have history with him, who who are watching him on a daily basis out in Arizona, there is a lot of belief that he really has turned the corner and that this is not a spring training fluke.
2: Another guy who's been one of the stars of spring training, I think, you know, if you're paying even casual attention, but you went much more in depth on him when talking to scouts about him is Shohei Otani, who's hit monster home runs and also hit 100 miles an hour this spring. But... (sighs) When you look at, I mean, what do you think is a realistic, it is tough to project with Shohei Ohtani because he's trying to do something that quite simply no one has successfully done in many, many, many years. You know, he wants to to pitch regularly in a rotation and be a regular member, uh, you know, key member in the lineup and to do that and stay healthy. He, You know, he's tried this once in the, in the States, he did this very successfully, at least, you know, at sometimes his offense was much more up and down, but he did it relatively successfully in Japan. But the last time he tried to do it in the U S obviously he had, he blew out his elbow. He had Tommy John surgery. Now he's back, but what are you hearing when it comes to Shohei Otani and, and kind of what we can expect in, in 2021?
1: Yeah. Everything he's doing offensively, it has just been, dropping jaws throughout Arizona and just watched on TV. And you can see it talking to the evaluators who were there. There's a lot of confidence. This guy's going to have a big season offensively. Obviously 2018, he was limited on the mound, but he was still standout offensively 2019 after having Tommy John surgery. He was limited strictly to DH duty. And again, excelled last year, had a down year and he's talked about it, how he went back and really revamped his offseason program, how he prepared both for pitching and hitting and his body has changed a little bit physically, the swings he's taking, the at-bats he's taking. It's, it's really, really impressive. And I feel safe to say not just the Shohei Ohtani of old at the plate, but possibly even a better Shohei Ohtani. I mean, these home runs he's hitting to center field, the opposite way, he's crushing them. I mean, these are going 450, had 464, cleared the batter's eye against Shane Bieber yesterday. Uh, He's hitting velocity, he's hitting breaking stuff. He's staying back. Swing looks good. I mean, it's, it's anything and everything you could want. Just talking to evaluators about him on the mound, he's throwing hard. The performance has not been great. He's gotten hit quite a bit. It just comes down to what is he going to be able to do for you on the mound when healthy that's really the kicker to all this this is the most uniquely talented player in baseball he's not the best player the best player is mike trout you talk about you know cc sabathia mentioned it on a podcast a, a little while ago if you just talk about the most uniquely talented person in major league baseball it's shohei otani no one else can throw 100 with a nasty split and a good slider for strikes and get big league hitters swing and missing and oh by the way hit 20-plus home runs, and hit 280 against major league pitching at the same time. There's no one alive who could do that. Oh, and he's a plus runner. I mean, he is the creative player in a video game, but he's just got to stay healthy. And right now, evaluators are seeing a higher ceiling at the plate. The stuff is really good. It looks great. I thought it was interesting. One of the evaluators I spoke to made the comment that the control is such that you really like him for five innings, getting through the lineup a third time. He's not hundred percent convinced he can do it. We've seen him do it in 2018, but that was also a Tommy John surgery, a flex strain, and a knee surgery ago. So it's possible that's changed a little bit. We just kind of have to see once he's back on the mound, pitching regularly. And I think there's definitely a sense that if he gets hurt again, it would be time to just make him a, a full-time hitter. And there's a sense that that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing because his bat is just so, so, so good that even if he's just hitting only and he can just focus on that. I mean, one of advisor said, I have no hesitation saying, yeah, he'd hit 280 with 70 game power and that's 30, 35 home runs, maybe even pushing 40 if he's just hitting regularly. And even if he's just doing that, he's a tremendous asset to this team. But- so we, we have to see what he can do, but, but there's a lot of confidence in the bat for sure.
2: Funny thing is, though, is, is don't the angels like if you said, Where do the angels need him more? They need him and they need him both, but they need him more as a pitcher, don't they? In some ways, like that's where they have the bigger need, isn't it? Like if, if you said you could get one version of Shoei Otani, you could, you could only get the pitching or the hitting, they need the pitching more in
1: 2021 than they need the hitting, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's why it does make sense to me that, to give this another try because if he can, even if it is just five five and two thirds good innings every six days. That's hugely valuable to the Angels. They need that desperately. So I absolutely think it's the right thing to give it another shot. This is a young, talented player, unlike anything we've really ever seen. And you don't want to limit him or put caps on him. But I do also understand the growing sentiment that if he gets hurt one more time, just let him hit. And there is more confidence, I would say, among the scouting community that he will be a consistently impactful hitter than a consistently impactful pitcher, just given the health issues and just given the physical strain of doing both. We have to see if he can do it over a full season. He hasn't since 2016 in Japan, and, and we just have to see it. And this is, this is going to be a big year for him, but all in all, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic.
2: I got a lot more we're going to talk about. Before we do, we're going to stop for a quick message. And we're back. So another story we have, you couple, a couple of stories that work together uh, if, as you're preparing for your 2021 Major League season. Kyle wrote a piece about hot finishers from the 2020 season that could carry that into 2021. It's always tough to suss out how much of a hot finish is a guy having a good month and how much of it is a guy making a, a real improvement, especially a young player, and then we also have Matt Eddy for us looked at players who made better swing decisions in 2020, and there's some overlap in there. There's some there's some you know things that tie into there, and but but two players who are young players, highly regarded players who actually happen to both play some third base, uh, you know, is we have Weimer Guerrero Jr. who obviously was. Uh, The number one prospect in the game, not that many years ago, was considered coming up through the minors to be the best pure hitter to come out of the minors in a very long time, even though when we say that now, we'll just acknowledge Juan Soto is, it's going to be really hard to have Juan Soto not be the best pure hitter in this generation Juan Soto went through the minors so quickly that we never got to tag him with best pure hitter of the minors because when you play in the AZL and then like a month in the uh, G- in the uh, low A and then off you go to the majors, you don't have time to wear that crown. But we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and we also have the Braves' Austin Riley. You know, Riley uh, was very much one of Matt's better swing decision guys from 2020. But Kyle, I'll kind of throw it to you. Are, are those two players that, We have reason to be getting optimistic about Is it one of the two or or what do you think?
1: Yeah, so the short answer is yes. I want to take a step back. So one of the things that I did, as you mentioned, was looking at players who finished 2020 strong. And there was two parts of that. And one of the big ones is major league players are used to a six-week buildup in spring training. And with summer camp, they only got three weeks. A lot of these guys, the first three weeks of the season, they were still in spring training mode. They were still in buildup mode. And we saw that with the quality of play those first three weeks. So I kind of wanted to look at and say, okay, let's toss out those first three weeks for the guys who struggled, because again, they're kind of in spring training mode still. And let's look and see who got really hot once the timing was kind of normal, once they had that full six weeks and, Austin Riley and and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. popped up right away as, as two guys that after the first three weeks of the season, they were really, really, really good. They had taken some of the steps forward that were expected of them. So it definitely caught my attention there. And then looking at just some convergence, who are guys who the surface stats look good, the underlying metrics look good, the scouts look good, who keeps popping up? And Riley came up number one in Matt Eddy's look at who are the young hitters who made better swing decisions in 2020 from 2019. And the fact that you're seeing the surface stats with Austin Riley point to an improvement, you're seeing some of the underlying stats or, or some of the underlying, you know, under the hood type stuff pointing to legitimate offensive improvement. I think that bodes well. And then with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., we talked about it. He's talked about it. The Blue Jays front office talked about it. Scouts have talked about it. He was not in great physical shape at the start of last year. He started losing weight during the year. We saw him really, really take off there, split between his first 20 games and his final 40 games. It's pretty stark. And this spring training is one of the things I've dug in with evaluators. Again, we quoted one evaluator in this piece, but I spoke to a lot of different evaluators about Vlad and he kept coming up that everything's better in the swing. It's more loose. It's more athletic. He's able to get his bat in positions he wasn't able to get it to last year just because he was just too big. The way his body worked, he couldn't get the barrel where it needed to be. And there's a lot of faith. So I think anytime you see traditional stats, analytical stats, scout looks, and you're starting to see some commonalities here, that to me is where you say, yeah, I think there's a very good chance that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Austin Riley are, are two of the many young players in Major League Baseball that... We could see take that step forward this season. Both of these guys at various points ranked as the number one prospects in their system. Guerrero, as you mentioned, was a top prospect in all of baseball. Riley, if I remember correctly, snuck into the top 25 at one point. There's been an expectation that these guys can be impact players. And I do think just looking at everything, all the data, all the scouting opinions we've collected, these are two guys that jump out as they just keep popping up as, yeah, they might take that step in 2021.
2: Yeah, right. Riley uh, got to 22nd in 2019. So uh, he would, if he can do that, if he can take that step forward, he's obviously big for the Braves who are looking to uh, defend their NL East title. And uh, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Can be, can be what we've expected, I mean, there's very lofty expectations on him. But if he can be close to what we expected to be, and he's still very young, I, that makes the Blue Jays a fascinating team in what should be a very good at least.
1: Yeah, if you look at his last 40 games last year, he hit 285, 348, 500. And again, we have to see just how it all holds up over a full season. There's a big difference, 162 games versus a hot month at the end of the year. But just everything seems to be pointing in the right direction. And, and again, what does that mean? Does it mean he becomes the elite level hitter people expected right away. I I think just in general, there's an expectation that will be better and he'll tell us how much better that's going to be. And this goes with Austin Riley too. just continue to grow and and hold and maintain the adjustments they've made for Riley. It's the swing decisions for Guerrero. It's his new physique. And if they do that, there's absolutely reason to be optimistic.
2: So, okay. Diving into like, you know, those are guys who kind of fit that, that profile of the, the recent prospect who, who really hasn't kind of put it all together yet going a step beyond that, like guys who were kind of a little bit more established in the majors, but a guy who you think could take another step or, or could be really kind of go from being a complimentary piece on a team to being kind of a, a, a kind of more of a cornerstone guy. Is there anyone that comes to mind for that? That's got a guy you're looking for in 2021.
1: Yeah. Maybe this is cheating a little bit. Kyle Tucker. That's my big, big pick to click this season. I actually, we do our MLB season preview issue for baseball America. And one of the categories is pick your breakout hitter for 2021. And I made sure to jump in there as soon as it was open to put Tucker in as my pick to make sure no one else took him. I think this is a young outfielder we're going to see climb, I I think, into the upper echelon of American League outfielders. And the reason I think that is, so just with the way the regional schedules were last year, I was obviously doing the bulk of our major league coverage, uh, but I was only seeing West teams, which means I got to see a lot of the Houston Astros over and over and over again. And with Kyle Tucker... You could just see it. I know that's kind of cliche, but it's really the best way I can say it. About midway through last year, he just clicked. The bats were better. He was hitting the ball harder. He was consistently driving the baseball. And, and you were starting to see the Kyle Tucker, who was a top 10 prospect in the game at one point. And you go back and look, he also fit into this, you know, guys who if you throw out the first three weeks, when again, a lot of these guys are still in spring training mode, just look at what he did kind of after that. He was one of the 15 best hitters in Major League Baseball from about mid August on, which, what, what do you want to measure it by average, OPS, I mean, pick your stat. He was really, really good. And the moment that really clinched it for me was actually when I was covering the Astros Rays ALCS. He had two left on left at bats against Aaron Loop during that series, where I was just like, yeah, this is going to happen. A young left handed hitter facing a lefty killer in, in big situations. He's staying back, drove the ball hard the opposite way. I mean, exactly what you're supposed to do left on left. That was big for me seeing that. I just think it's all going to click in a big way for him. And that's going to be big for the Astros. They lost George Springer. Obviously, Tucker doesn't play center field like Springer, but that's a lot of offensive production to replace. And getting Jordan Alvarez back healthy, and if Kyle Tucker takes the kind of step forward, I think he will. I think this is still going to be a very, very, very dangerous offense that has a chance to be one of the best in the American league. Okay. I've waited this long, which is, I
2: I have to say, I think is, is restraint on my part that we've gotten this far in a podcast talking about spring training. And I haven't asked you about Bobby Witt Jr. Because it, it does feel like that, that if you said, you know, there's the songs of summer where you're just like, oh, that year, the song of summer was this. The, the player of spring training, I feel like, is Bobby Witt Jr. right now, the one that everyone wants to talk about, understandably, because he checks so many boxes. For one, he's a junior, like where play people actually know who his dad was. He was a prominent draft pick. He's extra young. He's on a team that he's the most interesting thing going on with the Kansas City Royals right now. And he keeps performing. And they keep not sending him down. So, put that all together. What does that mean right
1: now, Kyle? Uh, it means we're seeing an incredibly talented young player do some incredible things. Uh, again, it's only spring training. This was this was fun for me, just really diving in with scouts about what they're seeing from Bobby Witt Jr. Because obviously, we're seeing everything on TV, or at least. Everything on TV that's being broadcast. Uh, One of my complaints is there's been a lot of spring training games where there is no broadcast, even on MLB.com. So some of his heroics haven't actually even been seen by the general public. But the games that have been on, yeah, I mean, he's doing ridiculous things. Uh, And he was one of a lot of guys that a lot of scouts talked about as, as prospects ready to take a step forward. He's obviously the most famous, but look, Jonathan India got raves. Alec Manoa got raves. His Royals teammate, Nick Prado actually got a lot of mentions too. And we talked about Jonathan India and there are a lot of prospects that the valuers are seeing really good things from as guys that could take the next step. But just from a, a public facing standpoint, yeah. Bobby Witt has been the story of spring training. And I mean, the scout reviews were every bit as glowing as you'd expect. I talked to a lot of different scouts about him. You know, again, we, we used one quote in particular, but there were many, many other quotes that were even more glowing What keeps coming up is we knew he had five tools that could be impact tools. If you pick up a baseball America prospect handbook, it's sixties across the board. We knew that he played the game hard and came from a good baseball background with his dad. Again, he was BA's high school player of the year. He was the first high school player selected in the 2019 draft and the top high school prospect in that draft. He, you know, struggled in the AZL, but he was great at the alternate site last year. We even saw some video on summer camp. So Uh, there are things we knew about him. He was a top 20 or 25 prospect from the moment he was drafted, but what's really stood out. And this is what separates uh, some of the really, really special players is they just fit in the major leagues. There's, nothing about them that that's overwhelmed. I mean, it just kept coming up. It's it's a big league demeanor. It's big league quality at bats. It's big league the way he carries himself. It's big league defense. A lot of times, some of the younger prospects, they have defensive tools, but they're just not polished enough to make the plays at a major league level. And he's done that. It's really, really impressive to watch. And it's kind of a crazy thing to ask, but people are talking about, is he going to open in the major leagues? And Dayton Morris come out and said they'd be quote unquote open-minded about it. I really dug in with evaluators on, on what they thought. And what pretty much came back was they think that he could compete up there right now, which again is an incredible testament to a guy who has not played above the AZL. But would he excel there right now? And there's still some skepticism. Again, nothing to do with him, but it's very, very different facing some of the arms he's facing in spring training who are just kind of trying to get their work in versus Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn back to back in the middle of July. It's just a very, very different experience. And there was a discussion of it would be best for his development to let him go down, start in double A, which again is still a big jump for guys who never played above the AZL, to see upper level pitching day in and day out. You know, guys who are aggressively trying to get you out and make their pitches for that purpose. It's not just about them necessarily working on something for themselves. There's still some defensive polish things they have talked about that just, you know, come with time and reps and experience, especially if he's playing a new position, if the Royals want to make him their second baseman, given that's the most obvious spot for him to come up. But there is a sense he will be up at some point this year. Uh, it's just a matter of when, but he's been incredible. I mean, everyone sees a superstar here and you can't say enough, uh, I, you know, the quote of he's just a complete player. He's a special player. I mean, that, that's, that sums it up. It
2: is interesting to me. When you say, you know, he's going to be up sometime this year, and I think we talked about this on the podcast last year. I said like he is my I think last week I said he was my utterly surprised potential rookie of the year. I don't think he's going to win it or anything like that. I think I said at the time if you had $5 just kind of hanging around, you could probably still get really good odds on that. But it does stand out to me. And again, I don't want to make too much of it, but the way they've used him in spring training this year is notable to me. And the reason I say that is is normally when you have your elite shortstop prospect who is, has yet to play, in a, you know, because of last year, he's yet to play full-season baseball, and you would think that you're really kind of using him just to kind of, this is your chance, have some fun, get acclimated, because next year when you come back to spring training, you're going to be hitting the ground looking to compete. You would probably play that guy at shortstop, <laughs> You know, um, the reason being is that that's your position. And don't worry, we're not worried we're trying to break you in here. So, you know what? Mondesi is going to play shortstop. And in games, when we give him a day off, you're going to play shortstop or you'll come in when he leaves. And which is not entirely what the Padres have done with CJ Abrams, but the Padres have played CJ Abrams predominantly at shortstop, even though they have Fernando Tatis, because That's what he is. He's a shortstop. They're not moving him around yet, although they're going to probably have to start figuring out something soon because CJ Abrams is really good, but I don't see him moving Fernando Tatis off a shortstop. But the Royals with Bobby Witt, they're playing him predominantly at second base in spring training, which to me is notable just for the fact that that's the position where if you said, where is Bobby Witt going to play for Kansas city in 2021, It's going to be moving, probably moving Nicky Lopez to a utility role more than it would be moving Alberto Mondesi off of short, even if you could debate that Bobby Witt would be a better shortstop than Alberto Mondesi. And the fact he's playing there regularly, I do think there is some, it's somewhat notable. Also the fact that they're playing him as much as they have is also probably notable.
1: Yeah, again, he has put himself in consideration to play in the major leagues this year and potentially early this year. And, and that is a testament to him. And look, it's exactly what they're doing. It's Hunter Dozier is going to be third base and Alberto Mondesi is going to be at shortstop and Bobby Witt, it would be, he goes to second base and he, and he pushes Nicky Lopez into a utility role. I mean, that's that's the path here. And again, he he's really, really good. And I think, again, this is someone that you knew had five tools in his pocket to work with. You knew had the pedigree and and kind of that advanced maturity and demeanor about him. But it's one thing to kind of have that and, and be young and need to kind of work through some things and to come back and actually put it together on the field when you are facing guys with big league experience and you've never really played above the AZL and the alternate side. He did see some guys who had played at higher levels, but not a lot of consistent big leaguers it's really really impressive and we'll see where it ends up but there's absolutely a path for him here and again give him credit he keeps pushing for it
2: one other I I don't want to make this too Royals focused but you did also when you talked to scouts I thought another one of the very notable players was Nick Prado who really struggled in Wilmington Wilmington spits up and chews up and spits out a lot of hitters but it chewed him up pretty well He's had a really good spring too, but it's just not just that he's had a good spring, but you, it seemed like you were hearing some some really positive things.
1: Yeah. So Nick Prado is kind of fun to compare to Jonathan India in a way because, so we talked about earlier, Jonathan India just universally panned by scouts from the moment he got to pro ball, but he still made it up to double A in his first full season. The numbers weren't terrible. So again, bad scout reviews, but performance was okay. Whereas Nick Prado, the performance was really, really, really rough. He really struggled at Wilmington. He was sub 200. It's a lot of strikeouts. But I remember even when that was happening in 2019, I asked a couple of evaluators just in the course to make our calls about him. And they were actually kind of bullish. Like, you know, I I think there's a good swing in there. I think there's things, you know, don't, don't bail on this yet. So it was kind of interesting how India was performing better at higher levels, but getting panned. Prado was performing worse at lower levels, but scouts still saw promise there. Give credit to our Royals correspondent, Bill Mitchell. He was on this as part of the 2021 BA Prospect Handbook. He did the research, made the calls, saw what was happening and wrote about this extensively in the handbook. The Royals just completely overhauled Nick Prado's swing. I mean, they really, really worked hard with him to kind of changed a lot. It, it's not one thing. It wasn't a small adjustment. They really, really smoothed a lot of things out. They got in a better position to hit. I, I mean, everything. And it's really unlocked, you know, it's just kind of that innate ability. There's always been kind of a, a feel to hit and that's what he was drafted for. Really, really good feel to hit. And he's kind of starting to tap into it. Different kinds of pitches and different parts of the zone. Whatever he needs to do to get the barrel to the ball and drive it, he's doing it. And in a better hitting position earlier. Everything's so much smoother. It's it's really impressive. Again, we have to see him maintain it over the course of a full season against advanced upper-level pitchers. This is only 14 games, but for him to come out facing a lot of guys with big league time and seven for 16 with three doubles and three home runs, I mean, it's not cheap hits. He is driving the ball. It's impressive.
2: No, it, it's, it's something where I, I also... Uh, The key thing here is, is we kept talking about with the Royals, the Royals rebuild It's you know, the pitching, the pitching, the pitching, the pitching, but we've said, they have to have the hitters to go with the pitching. And if Nick Prado can be a guy who really does that to go with Bobby Witt, we don't have a whole lot of debates about Bobby Witt. You start to piece together the possibility of how this all could come together, which is, uh, you know, a team that has the pitching like they have, young pitching like they have maybe there are just enough bats i still would like to see more bats than they have coming up but it's starting to get a little more interesting than it was even just two years ago when we were talking about these guys at the end of the
1: 2019 season oh absolutely i mean if you looked at the royals mapped them out into the future It was very, very clear. They had some offensive holes they were going to have to fill in some way, shape, or form. Again, Whit Merrifield's a stud. You feel really good about him. Jorge Soler was down last year. He was really good the year before. I think you feel really good about him. Hunter Dozier, same thing. Down last year, good the year before. Just got an extension. You feel good about him. Salvador Perez as well. So yeah, you have some guys in the majors that you can count on present and future to, to hit for you. But that's four guys. You still need to find five other guys somewhere else, whether it's free agency trades or, or home growing them. And if you can get as many of those guys as possible, just up through your system, that's huge. And if Wit and Prado too, if he's able to really maintain this and all of a sudden that four good hitters that you can map out into your future become six. And you start putting that together with the pitching staff. They kind of have a couple of guys have gotten up. A couple more guys are coming. Then you can start to say, okay, now this isn't just a team that has some nice pieces. This is a team that might be complete enough to start really winning some games. Andrew Benintendi, that acquisition this offseason season was big. So it, it's starting to become, I want to say a clear picture, but you can kind of see it more realistically clicking and that's especially true if Witt and Prado can continue this.
2: Uh, it, it starts to become kind of a, a, an interesting uh, rebuild. And we'll know a lot more again, as we keep saying, it's kind of a constant theme on the Baseball America podcast. We're really excited to get the minors going too, because then we're going to know. We're, 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 we're facing everything. We're trying to, as best we can, give insights from snippets. But man, it's going to be nice when we go from having snippets to uh, semi full season, 120 game minor league season to kind of understand and fathom with all these players. That is something that we are eagerly looking forward to. But it's it's not that far away now. And I uh, again just on a minor aside, and if you're a fan, it also sounds like we're heading in the direction where teams are going to be playing in front of minor league teams are also going to be playing in front of fans, which is encouraging because uh, if we had been recording this podcast two months ago, I wasn't so sure about that in a lot of places around the country. So, uh, a lot of positive signs of that. Kyle, before we wrap this up, anyone else that jumps out to you, like do you, you know, it can be an established major leaguer. Like, who is it? Like, someone that you, when you're doing this, that that stands out as like, hey, here's someone else just to keep an eye on. Maybe they are bouncing back. Maybe they're you know haven't taken that step. But anyone else that that jumps out to you. Or, you know, is going to take that next step.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think bounce back. You look at Josh Bell. It was really, really stark to me that he actually did hit well. Again, take out those first three weeks. And once he kind of got into regular season form, he actually hit well last year. Right in line with his career norms. So I think getting to Washington, having a full season, we're going to see a lot more uh, the type of player. That was an all-star for the Pirates in 2019 as opposed to the guy who the final numbers in 2020 weren't great. But again, if you kind of look at what he did once he was back on a normal timeline after the a full six weeks that he would normally have, he was still pretty good. So that's one I'm really looking at. And then I think from a young Big Lear perspective, you know, the guy who intrigues me is Victor Robles hearing some of the improvements he's made offensively, uh, that that would be huge for the nationals as well. So I think in a very competitive NL East, if Josh Bell can be the guy he was at the end of last year and Victor Robles can take the offensive jump, that's something that's really, really going to help them. And then the final thing I'll say is I was thinking about this. I feel like, you know, every year we make our MVP predictions and For the most part, whether it's us or a lot of other places, it's always kind of the same guys. The American League, Mike Trout's always in the mix. uh, And the National League, I think a lot of people this year are picking some form of Soto, Acuna, and Tatis. That's pretty much the picks. But there's always guys who we know are really, really good players. And for whatever reason, we don't think of them as MVP candidates before the year. And then they go out and win it. I think Freddie Freeman's a great example last year. I mean, He's been one of the game's stars, just an absolute star for many, many, many years. But if you went and looked at preseason MVP voting, he wasn't really getting picked anywhere as the guy and he went out and won it. The guy like that for me that we know is a great player, but if you look at preseason MVP predictions is not being picked and I think could end up winning it is Corey Seager. I don't know if people really remember just how ridiculous ridiculously good he was. This was one of the best players, not young players, best players in baseball in 2016, 2017. And then injuries hit. He had the back strain that knocked him out of the NLCS in 2017. And then he had Tommy John surgery in 2018, and it's kind of a lost year. And then he came back in 2019. And even though it was his quote unquote worst year, and it was a down year, you look at the slash line, he still led the national league in doubles. Like if that's your worst year you're still really freaking good. and then yeah, that's not bad. Watching watching him last year, again, just being out here on the West Coast, especially as the Padres-Dodgers rivalry was starting to kick up. I was at a lot of Dodgers games last year. You saw the swing. You saw the way he's moving. It's like, this is the old Corey Seager. I think I even tweeted out at one point. It's just good to have him back. The old Corey Seager is back. He was fantastic last year, top 10 in MVP voting, and then was MVP of both the NLCS and the World Series. If he's healthy, and it looks like he is. He's someone I think that not a lot of people are picking for MVP this year that I think could legitimately win it. Pete Corey Seeger is an elite, elite player in Major League Baseball. And I think we're seeing him get back to that form. It's going to be again. I'm just so excited.
2: We're, we're not that far from opening day. We're in conference play for a whole lot of college baseball. We have high school players who are doing great things. We are... Uh, you know, we're getting close to minor league spring training is is right around the corner. Got a whole lot of minor league players who are getting ready to head to spring training for their first action. I shouldn't say since 2019, because most of them did get to spring training. They basically showed up in spring training last year, and then they turned around and went home. But, uh, but so we have all that coming up. A lot at BaseballAmerica.com, but... Key thing today is if you're listening to this and you haven't checked it out yet, check out uh, you know Kyle's 25 players were are turning heads in spring training, which is up at baseballamerica.com. For Kyle, I'm JJ. So long, everybody.